Time has a way of changing our perspective, writes James Wilson. In the early 1940s, Ruth Gruber was working on behalf of the government to promote the Alaskan Territory to homesteaders. James Wilson writes, She traveled by truck, dog sled, and when she was lucky, by plane. In 1942, she was about to board a plane headed for Nome when she received a message from the Secretary of the Interior. That was before the day of satellite communication. It wasn't an instant message. The telegraph operator had to decode it for her. The Bush pilot became impatient and told her he couldn't wait any longer. The plane would have to leave without her. Gruber was in a bind. She couldn't walk away from a message from the Secretary of the Interior. She had to wait. I'm sure, says James Wilson, I'm sure she wasn't happy to miss her flight and to have to arrange other transportation to Nome. The impatient pilot couldn't wait just a few more minutes, which ended up saving her life. Soon after taking off, the plane crashed into a mountain killing everyone on board. For a while, Gruber was wishing the operator would hurry up. Later, she was glad he didn't. Needless to say, Ruth Gruber on that day experienced a radical shift in perspective. I want you to go with me in your copy of God's Word to the book of James. James chapter 1. We've noted so far in our study here in James that the proper outlook of followers of Christ is one of humility. To have the proper perspective in life, the believer must see himself as James saw himself. He did not speak of himself as the half-brother of Jesus. He could have. He spoke of himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who claim to follow Christ must also be willing to yield to, to obey, and to follow Christ. Next, we noted that another facet of the proper perspective for believers in the midst of their trials is that of joy. The believer's focus in their trials must be on Christ, knowing that there in the midst of their trials, God intends to use them for their good. And then we learned what the believer in the midst of trials should pray for. What should we pray for in the midst of trials? Well, we naturally pray for help, right? We pray for deliverance. We pray for strength to endure in our trials. And praying for those things is not wrong, but James tells us we should pray asking God for wisdom in the midst of our trials. And we need God's wisdom, do we not? We desperately need God's wisdom so that we won't waste our trials, so that we'll see them as God sees them, as helping us, as growing and strengthening our faith, because without faith, God does not answer the prayer for wisdom. And whether we want to admit it or not, we desperately need wisdom from God in the midst of our trials. So we come to our passage today and we find James has a word for those believers who are poor 
in the midst of trials and those believers who are rich in the midst of trials. And the word to them both is that they must radically change their perspective. They need a radical shift in point of view and perspective about their lives. And believers then and now need God's wisdom for that radical shift in perspective following along as I read James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Let's go there together. Follow along. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. James says, James 1 and verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now, as we look forward to Thanksgiving this week, I can't think of a better place for us to be than here in James, hearing God instruct us in the proper perspective of all believers, of all who name the name of Christ, whether poor or rich. We have so much to be thankful for, but you know what? Without the proper perspective, a God-centered and biblical perspective, we risk, even as we express gratitude this week, even as we come to this natural time of thanksgiving when it seems like everyone around us is giving thanks, we risk coming to this time, even with gratitude expressed from our lips, having a fundamentally wrong attitude about our station in life. So if we're to have a proper perspective of God's people at th- as God's people at Thanksgiving, and here we come to Thanksgiving, and again, we're reminded to be thankful, but yet, as God's people, we ought to always be thankful. We ought not be more thankful at Thanksgiving than any, than any other time in our lives. Yes, we're reminded to be, but we ought to be overflowing with thankfulness. And if we're to have the proper perspective as we ask God for wisdom in the midst of our trials, and if we're to have the proper perspective at all times, then we too must go with James here and be willing to radically change our perspective. When you face trials, seeing them from the proper perspective is going to make a world of difference for you. You see, having the proper perspective as you face situations in life from the station in life in which you are, says James, will make a huge difference because how you view your trials and how you view your station in life in the midst of those trials will shape how you choose to live. It will shape how you choose to respond to your trials. James starts with a word to the lowly or poor. Look at verse 1 again. The word to the lowly or poor is this, boast in your exaltation. That seems strange, doesn't it? Look at verse 9 again. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. I told you this was radical, didn't didn't I? (laughs) Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. What, James, are you talking about? Don't you understand what it means to be poor and lowly in this world? What is there to exalt in, James? I'm poor. I'm lowly. Are you sure, James, you live in the same world I do? I mean, come on. You read that. Don't you feel that way? Exalt. Boast in 
My exaltation, what exaltation? Note that James says the lowly brother, the lowly brother. He's talking about the believer here who is poor or oppressed because of his faith. And God inspired James to write these words, and yes, James knew to whom he was writing. We note it in verse 1. He's writing to the dispersed Jewish believers, and many of them knew what poverty was. They knew what it was to have very little as they were persecuted, as they were driven from their homes, forced to flee for their lives, losing almost all of their possessions in the process. Are you a follower of Christ and you think of yourself as poor? Are you a follower of Christ and you think of yourself as having very little of this world's goods? Do you see yourself, maybe maybe you see yourself as greatly oppressed for your faith. Maybe because you're a follower of Christ, you face opposition. Are you looked down on or even ridiculed or even opposed by your family or in the workplace or in your neighborhood because you are a follower of Christ, because you believe in the authority of God's word, and that is becoming increasingly unpopular in the culture in which we live. You realize that, right? Maybe you feel that you are oppressed or you are poor because of that, James is here to remind you that though you may feel poor, though you may feel oppressed because of your faith, you are rich. You are rich. You are rich in Christ. We noted it a couple of weeks ago when we saw that the proper attitude in trials is very important. Proper attitude in the midst of your trials is critical. We see it again here. And and the proper attitude for you as a believer facing trials who considers yourself to have little of this world's goods or feels oppressed for your faith is to remember that you are not poor and lowly. You are rich in Christ. We think of it. Thankfulness at thanksgiving for poor believers is always possible because you are not poor. You are rich where it really matters. You are rich in Christ. If you have Christ, you have everything. You have forgiveness of sins. Think of it. You have new life in Christ. You have an eternal life with God through Christ. Here's what John's gospel has to say about your riches in Christ. Very quickly, John chapter 1 and verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's incredible. John 3.36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Not future, present has eternal life. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John eleven twenty six, Jesus said, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you see yourself as poor? You may be poor, according to this world's economy. And we don't like talking about the economy, do we? But you have another economy to to consider today. I, I need you to think about a different economy than the one that surrounds us in the world which we live in. According to God's economy, if you are Christ's, you are rich. You see, God's economy is the only one that really matters. 
No amens. <laughs> it's true. God makes you rich in Christ. So thank God that you are rich in Christ today and always. Thank God that you are not poor. You may be poor in worldly terms, but in Christ you are filthy rich. <laughs> okay? And, and filthy in a good way. You know, we're always taught that it's wrong to boast, right? It's not right for us as believers to boast. Do you want to know when it's acceptable to boast? Do you want to know when it's right to boast? When the believer is boasting not of what he has on earth, but, but when that believer is boasting of what he has in Christ, it's completely appropriate to boast that I have Christ and I'm rich in Christ. That's the only kind of boasting for the believer that's acceptable. To say, I have Christ. He has redeemed me from the pit. He has saved my soul. He's forgiven my sins. And I have life eternal. I'm rich. You see, that is a radical change in perspective from the way this world thinks. But that is a heavenly perspective. That is a godly perspective. That is a Christ-like and biblical perspective. And that is the perspective that believers must have if we're going to learn to face our trials properly. You see, if you cannot radically change your perspective, if you cannot boast in your riches in Christ, even as you face your trials, you risk not seeing your trials as God intends for you to see them. You see, God intends for, for you to be helped and grown and spiritually equipped, growing through and strengthening through your trials, strengthening your faith, making you bold and courageous in your faith as you face trials. You risk only seeing your trials as the result of your poverty if you have the wrong perspective. And if you see your trials as a result of your poorness or poverty or lowliness, you will pursue correcting that yourself and you will look to the world to help shape your wealth or lack thereof and how you see your trials shapes your response to them. So it's a, a critical a critical perspective change. If you see your trials as a result of your poverty, you're going to take your eyes off your riches in Christ. You will take your eyes off of Christ. You will take your eyes off of His Word. You will not have faith. You will not have the wisdom that you, you may even pray for if you take your eyes off of Christ. You will not have God's wisdom because you will not be asking Him for wisdom in faith. And you will fix your eyes on gaining worldly riches and you will waste your life. How do I know that? How can I confidently pro proclaim that if you take your eyes off Christ, you will waste your life? If you have the wrong perspective, you'll waste your life? Note James says next as he addresses those who are rich. And there's some fundamental and basic truths here for those who are lowly also, those who are poor in what he says to the rich. Here's how I know you'll waste your life if you don't have the proper perspective because look at what he says to those who who are rich. And here's the word to the rich. Boast in your humiliation. So verse 9 says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, 
And verse 10 says, and the rich in his humiliation. Again, James, you, you don't seem to understand the world in which I live. <laughs> I mean, the world I live in, if you've got stuff, people admire you and respect you. You're not humiliated. Don't you know that the rich people in our culture are supposed to be proud of themselves and proud of what they've attained? You're kind of out of touch, James. <laughs> Again, I'm telling you, this is a radical change in perspective. Again, inspired by God, James is writing to believers, and certainly there were some believers who were reading this who are still very well off and had plenty of this world's goods. And you may also be one who has wealth, who has plenty according to this world's standard. In fact, as I've said before, many more of us have plenty than not. I would suggest that more of us are wealthy than, than are not because we tend to have this perspective where, where the first part of this message is for me, I'm the poor person, and the last half of the message about the wealthy is not for me, but, but it is about us. In many ways, we are wealthy, aren't we not? And we have far more than we need. For those who have much, I think that's many of us, if not most of us, for those who have much, it is time for a radical change in perspective for you too. Don't consider yourself great, says James. Why? Continuing in verse 10, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Do not look to yourself. Do not look to your riches, believer, who has much of this world's goods. When facing trials, do not trust in your wealth. Why? Because, as James says, because you're human, and as a human being, you're frail, and those riches you possess, those are fleeting. See, do not look to yourself in the midst of trials. Do not trust your wealth in the midst of trials. Your earthly possessions are not where God wants you to fix your eyes in the midst of your trials. God wants you to see your wealth in Christ, not your wealth on earth. Why? Because you are human and frail and your riches are fleeting, but Christ remains you see, your earthly possessions are not where God wants you to fix your hope. And he wants you to take a serious account of your frail human flesh. Puritan Thomas Fuller said it like this, Riches may leave us while we live. We must leave them when we die. Or like the scholar, the, the great deep thinker said, There are no U-Hauls behind hearses. You cannot take it with you. Do not fix your attention. Do not fix your hope and your faith and your strength, your, your, your courage to live every day in the wealth that you think you possess. Again, perspective is everything. The poor and the rich, guess what? 
they both die. And guess what? They're both buried in the ground. But the problem is the wealthy person has a tendency to forget that. And in the midst of trials, put his hope and confidence in his possessions, losing sight of his frailty and weakness. And according to God's word, that is foolish. You see, if you have much, you need to see that your life is like the grass that withers in the sun and like the flower that falls, its beauty falling with it. The wealthy person has a tendency, you see, to pursue more wealth because you can never have too much. But God's word warns that person he will fade away even in the midst of that pursuit. The rich should not trust in their riches because earthly wealth is fleeting. So what's the point? What's the point? The point is that for the lowly and the rich, for them both, and that's all of us, we're all fitting into those two categories. For them both, God isn't concerned with what you have or don't have. It is not a sin to have much. And you're not more special in God's eyes because you have little than the one who has much. What God is concerned with is how you choose to live. J. Vernon McGee writes in his Bible study on James, someone else has expressed it like this, if I must carry a burden, Christ will carry me. Sometimes we must be laid low before we look high. In ourselves, we are weak, even where we are strong. In Christ, we are strong, even where we are weak. It's not how long you'll live, but how you are going to live. That's true. How are you going to live? How will you respond when trials come? Because they will come. How will you live? You see, for the believer in Christ, the proper perspective when trials come is to not get caught up in either having much or little, but responding to trials with faith in God. Will you have faith in God when trials come? Will you change your perspective radically now before the trials come? So that when they come, you find yourself strong in faith because you know God is in control. You see, the lowly, the poor must stop fixating on their poverty. And the wealthy must consider their lowliness in the common human condition and stop trusting their wealth. And they both, the lowly and the wealthy, must Learn to rejoice in the fact that they are Christ's and they are wealthy in the riches of Christ and that the same wisdom from God is available to all believers, rich or poor. We all need to look to and trust in Christ and not ourselves. See, God's word instructs us to take our eyes off of ourselves and keep them fixed on Christ 
fixed on God and his word and his goodness. Growing in our faith. The word helps us change our perspective, does it not? There's a radical shift here, isn't there? This is so counter to the culture in which we live. But both the lowly and the wealthy need to find their their joy and satisfaction and confidence in Christ and not in whether they have little or much because in Christ we have everything we need.